following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shore, for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. Well, it's Easter Sunday morning, and I don't know about you, I've been looking forward to Easter more this year than, than usual. Uh, there's something strangely appropriate, I think, about the fact that Easter has fallen during this lockdown period that we're all in, in New Zealand. Uh, and I've just felt myself drawn to these events of Jesus' death and resurrection that we're celebrating this weekend uh, more, than, more than I normally am. I, I feel like I need uh, this Easter more than usual. I need the hope of resurrection. I need the hope and the peace that Jesus' resurrection brings. Maybe it's the same for you. Uh, but I think in the craziness of everything that our world is going through at the moment, the resurrection of Jesus is all the more central and vital and so important that we keep in central focus in our lives and in our church community. So we're going to look this morning at the story of Jesus' resurrection, the story of Jesus rising from the dead. And uh, we'll look at it from the Gospel of Luke. You've just heard that story read to you from the Gospel of Luke. And I want to walk through the story together with you. Uh, in Luke's account of the story, we, we begin with the scene of this group of women uh, who were among Jesus' followers. And early on this first day of the week, early on this Sunday morning, this group of women go to the tomb where, where Jesus had been buried. And they fully expected to encounter the dead body of Jesus at the tomb. I mean, that's what they were expecting. These women did not go to the tomb expecting Jesus to be risen. They, they weren't expecting resurrection at all. That was the furthest thing from their mind. They were bringing these spices, uh, the, these, these, these perfumes to embalm the dead body of Jesus. That's what they expected to happen. So it was a huge surprise to them when they get to the tomb and they find this massive stone that was used to seal the tomb has been rolled away. And they go inside the tomb and the next surprise is that the body of Jesus has disappeared. The body's not there anymore. The linen strips that Jesus' body had been wrapped in are there, but Jesus is not there. And as they're wondering about this and contemplating what on earth has gone on, they encounter these two angelic beings, these two heavenly beings. And they say to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And then these angels say, say to the woman in verse 6, remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day be raised again. And it says, then they remembered his words. Now, the word remember here is very important. It's a, it's a vital little word in this passage. Uh, the word remember in this context, it means more than just to recall something that's happened. It's more than just recollecting and events or words. To remember in this deeper sense is to understand the full significance of what has happened. It means to come to an awareness. It means, means to grasp the meaning of these words that had been spoken. So the angel is reminding the woman of what Jesus had said, these words that Jesus had said while he was still with them, that he, he would have to be crucified that he would be handed over and would be crucified, and then on the third day he'd be raised again. He spoke to them of these things. He told them about these things. But at the time, of course, that just sailed over their heads. I mean, that was Jesus said a lot of things 
a lot of things that were hard for his disciples to understand. And that just would have been another thing that they just didn't quite grasp at the time and wondered what he was talking about. But now here they are at the empty tomb. Now here they are listening to the words of these angels and thinking back over those words that Jesus said. And they remember them in the sense of understanding. They remember them in the sense that suddenly those words come alive. Suddenly those words have meaning and power. And they see for the first time, they see the significance of what Jesus was saying. They see the reality of who Jesus truly was. They see the reality of, of, of his death and what that accomplished. And they see the reality and the significance of his resurrection. And in a way, we're all a bit like these women. I mean, this is kind of our experience, in a sense, on, on Easter Sunday. You know, here we are, in a way, we're coming to the empty tomb this morning. Uh, not literally, but in our hearts and our minds, we're kind of coming to the tomb. And we're remembering, along with these women, we're remembering the events of Jesus' death and resurrection. But what we're called to do, just like these women, what we're called to do is not just remember in the sense of recalling, what happened? I mean, we can think back and remember the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago. We can, we can think about those events in an historical sense. But we are called, we're invited to do more than that. We're invited to remember in the sense of grasping something. We're invited to remember in the sense of having our eyes opened to the, to the deeper and the truer significance of what those events truly represent. Because the resurrection enables us to do that. It's the resurrection of Jesus that enables us to truly see the significance of who Christ is and what he's done for us and for the world. In the first instance, the resurrection is what enables us to see the true identity of Jesus. It enables us to see who Jesus truly was. The truth is, if Jesus had not been risen from the dead, if Jesus was never raised from the dead, you would never have heard of him. That's just an historical fact. If Jesus was never resurrected, you would never have heard of him. There were plenty of other people in Jesus' day who were claiming to be messiahs. There were plenty of other people running around in the first century claiming to be saviors and messiahs and deliverers and, and all sorts. That, were, that Some of them would lead uh, uprisings. Some of them would lead movements. Some of them would lead rebellions. Some of them would be teachers and they'd gather, gather followers and, and all of them eventually died one way or another. And when all of these other messiahs, these wannabe messiahs, died in various ways, their followers did not then say, hey, this is fantastic. Let's go and start a religion and start a church and begin a movement. No, those followers went home dejected and disappointed and they dispersed. And that was it. And they were never heard from again. And that's exactly what would have happened with Jesus' followers if he was not raised from the dead. If Jesus' crucifixion had been the end of the story, his followers would have left that day. They would have been utterly defeated and devastated, and they would have all gone back to their old jobs and their, their old lives, and nothing would have happened. There would have been no Christianity. There would have been no Christian movement. There would have been no church. I would not be talking to you today. There'd be no such thing. You'd never have heard of Jesus of Nazareth. His name would have just been lost to history. It's only the resurrection of Jesus that really makes sense of the way that history has played out. It's only the resurrection of Jesus that explains the emergence of the Christian movement that has transformed the lives of billions of people throughout history. It's, it's only the resurrection of Jesus that explains how you get this little group of dejected, despondent, hopeless people, Jesus followers, 
who were then suddenly transformed into a passionate, fervent, spirit-filled group of evangelists that go and, and begin this movement in Jesus' name. The only thing that explains that is that something happened. Something happened on that Easter Sunday. Jesus truly was raised from the dead, and that was the beginnings of it all. If Jesus was never raised from the dead, you wouldn't have heard of him. Only the resurrection makes sense of who Jesus truly is. But because he was raised from the dead, we can now recognize that he was who he said he was. He was the son of God. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just a good person. He wasn't just a moral example. He wasn't just a philosopher or a sage. He was the embodiment of God. The Father was in him and he was in the Father. He is the, the living incarnation of God himself. And it's the resurrection that enables us to truly see that and perceive the identity of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus also enables us to accurately see the nature of the cross. You see, without the resurrection, you look at the death of Jesus and it's just the death of another peasant. It's just another crucifixion, along with thousands of other crucifixions that the Romans undertook. But when you see that Jesus was raised from the dead, when you, when you acknowledge that, that this event happened on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus was physically, bodily raised from the dead, then you, you look back at the cross and you see something happened there. The resurrection interprets the crucifixion and enables us to see it accurately. So we see that this was not just a man suffering and dying. This was a man suffering and dying for the sins of the world. This was a man taking upon himself the full weight of our sin, our failure, our brokenness, our flaws, and bearing that weight before God, bearing that weight so that we would not have to. It's the resurrection that enables us to see the cross is truly atoning. The cross is truly the instrument that God used to pay for human sin. The cross is truly the means of our reconciliation with God. It's only the resurrection that enables you to see the cross in its true and accurate light. And then when you have the identity of Jesus in place and you see the nature of his death, then you can see the true nature of his resurrection itself. And you can see that what happened on that Easter Sunday morning was not just one man being raised from the grave, miraculous though that was, and that did happen as an historical event. But even more than that, you see that as Jesus walked out of the grave that day, a whole new future walked out with him. As Jesus emerged from the grave, God's kingdom emerged with him. God's new creation that we talked about a couple of weeks ago emerged with him. And the beginnings of this whole new world, this whole new way of being that God is bringing about emerged from the tomb with Jesus. C.S. Lewis talks about this. He uses the example of the first blossom of spring. The first flower of spring that, that emerges after a long, cold winter. And he says the resurrection is a bit like that first blossom of spring breaking forth. And the significance of it is not just in that one flower. It's in what that flower represents. That the seasons have turned. That's the full significance of Jesus' resurrection. Not just the one historical event, incredible though that is, but what it represents, that the seasons have turned. This long, cold winter that we were all stuck in, that the world was stuck in up to this point, the winter of sin, the winter of death, the winter that we were held within the clutches of the evil one. Finally, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that winter is over. Finally, the seasons have turned and Jesus is risen. 
Hope is here. New life is here. The kingdom of God is here. New creation has burst in in the midst of the present and has secured a day in which God's kingdom will come in all of its fullness, all of its glory, and all of its completion. The resurrection is the turning of the seasons, and Easter is a time to appreciate and grasp the true significance of that fact. So, in a sense, we're a bit like these women, coming to the tomb to remember and have our eyes opened to the full weightiness of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, these women, they couldn't, they couldn't see all of this at that point. They were just beginning to understand everything that has happened. But we, with the, with the fullness of Scripture now, with the Holy Spirit within us, we can, we can see, we can grasp more fully the, the story and how it makes sense, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and we remember these things at Easter in the sense of having our eyes opened more fully to their power and their meaning. In Britain, there's a, there's a legal position, which is the oldest judicial position in the whole of the British parliamentary system, and it's called the Queen's Remembrancer. It was established way back in the 12th century, and it still exists today. Someone still holds that position today of the Queen's Remembrancer. And the, the, the traditional role of the Remembrancer is that this person would keep before the court, the Queen's court, the most important matters of the state. They would keep before the Queen the most important issues, the most pressing matters that the court needed to deal with, so that the court wouldn't devolve into dealing with just trivialities and minor issues, but it would keep focused on the most pressing and the most urgent matters of the state. This was the role of the Remembrancer. And in a way, we come to Easter Sunday, and it's kind of like you and I are being given this role of being God's Remembrancers. Not that God needs reminding of what happened, but we do. And our role as remembrances is to keep before our own hearts and minds and, and to keep before one another the most important matters that are at stake, the death and the resurrection of Christ and their true significance, to grasp the fullness of these things, to remind each other of these things, to see them for what they are, to not allow ourselves to just devolve into trivialities, not allow ourselves to get distracted by a whole lot of other things, not allow ourselves to become obsessed by what's going on in the world, but to keep these events of the death and resurrection of Jesus front and center so that that becomes our focus and that becomes the center around which the rest of our lives revolve. This is our calling to be the Lord's remembrances, particularly on this day. Now, let me just complete this story with you because it unfolds in a fascinating way. And there's another character in this story who comes into focus here, who I think is going to be relevant to many of us. These women, having encountered these angels and being given this, this testimony of the resurrection, they, they go away from the tomb and they come back to the other disciples and they pass on to them what they've heard and what they've seen. And they testify to the fact that Jesus is risen. But not everybody believes their words. In fact, most of the other followers of Jesus at this point don't believe. And, and we read in verse 11, the others did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And the word nonsense, it, it literally means delusional. It's like the hallucinations of a sick person who, who's just out of their right mind and they're just delusional and, and hallucinating. That's what these disciples thought of the woman's story that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They're just hallucinating. And it's partly perhaps they thought the woman was so deep in grief 
that they weren't thinking straight, partly also because in this heavily patriarchal culture, the testimony of women was not valued highly. Women were not able, able to be even witnesses in a court of law in this day and age. That, that was not just a, a Christian thing, that was a social thing. Uh, and so the testimony of a woman was not considered valued, and perhaps that's why some of these others had a hard time accepting what they'd said. But even though many of these others weren't willing to believe the woman at this point, there's one guy who acts differently. There's one person in the story, Peter. And you look at what Peter does. Uh, right at the end of this passage, in verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. So Peter wasn't content just to take the woman's word for it. He decided to go on his own journey of investigation. He goes to the tomb, he sees the strips of linen, and he comes away wondering. Now, he's not at a point of faith yet. Peter hasn't reached a point of fully believing, but he's on this journey. He's seeking, he's curious, he's questioning, and he's wondering to himself what's going on. And, and I wonder if maybe some of you are in that position this morning. Maybe some of you watching this, listening to this message, you kind of see yourself a little bit in Peter's shoes that you're not necessarily willing just to, to take this verbatim because I've said it, and that's fair enough. You're not willing just to outright believe in the resurrection because someone told you that it happened, but neither are you willing to write it off. Neither are you willing just to say, well, I'm going to dismiss it. You want to know for yourself. You want to look into it for yourself. You're like Peter. You've got that impulse to, I want to check this out for myself. I want to see whether this is real. And I think that's great. If, if that's where you're at this morning, I, I want to encourage you in that and say, keep searching. Keep, keep that spark of curiosity alive. Keep looking into these things. Keep wondering like Peter wondered and keep following that path wherever it leads. It reminds me of the story of a guy named Lee Strobel. Uh, he was a journalist at the Chicago Tribune, which is a major newspaper in, in Chicago. Uh, and he was an award-winning legal journalist for the Tribune. And he wasn't a Christian, Lee Strobel. In fact, he was, he was an outright atheist, quite an outspoken atheist. But he decided at one point that he would write an article disproving the resurrection. So that was his intention. He set out to disprove the resurrection of Jesus and show through solid evidence that this was just a hoax, it was a fabrication, and it was a religious fairy tale. So he set out to do this. And he used all of the good journalistic skills that, that he could muster. He looked at the historical evidence uh, in support of and against the, the resurrection. He looked at the circumstantial evidence around this. He looked at the testimony of eyewitnesses and the reliability of the biblical accounts and the historicity of the Bible. He looked at medical theory around how Jesus had died. He looked at the plausibility of other theories of what could have happened to the body. He examined all of this and he was finally faced with the undeniable conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus did happen, that it, it couldn't be disproved. It couldn't just be, be thrown away and dismissed as irrelevant or as nonsense. It had to be taken seriously because he found the evidence pointed towards the reality that this event truly did happen. And even though he never set out to reach that conclusion, that's where eventually he landed. And Lee Strobel, on the basis of that undeniable evidence, himself became a Christian and gave his life to Christ. And who knows that that may be your journey or may be part of the road that you're on. As you're looking at this evidence, I want to encourage you to keep an open mind. 
I want to encourage you to keep an open heart. I want to encourage you to keep asking, keep having conversations, keep listening to these messages, keep following the evidence where it leads. And I, and I pray that at the end of that journey that you will find the God that you're looking for, that you will find yourself where Peter found himself, in the empty tomb, wondering about these things, and that eventually you might get to where Peter got to even after the story of coming to fullness of faith in Jesus Christ. So wherever you're at this morning, maybe you're in the position of these women and you do believe and you accept the testimony of the resurrection and the reality of the resurrection. And for you, this is a day to remember. This is a day not just to recall those events, but to truly have, you, have the eyes of your heart enlightened and opened in a deeper way, in a more significant way to the gravity of what unfolded on that first Easter weekend. And maybe you're more like Peter and you're on that journey and you're seeking and you're wondering. And I encourage you to have some conversations over this weekend with others to keep those thoughts alive and keep that journey going in your own mind and heart. Wherever you're at in your faith journey, I pray that this Easter weekend you would truly be able to remember and to celebrate and to appreciate all that Christ has done for you through his life, his death, and his resurrection. May you have a wonderful Easter and be blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the enormity of what you have accomplished through your death and your resurrection. And Father, I pray that this Easter, those would not just be historical details, but they would be realities that echo in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives that they would be truths that we come to live by and that you would open our eyes afresh to the significance of Jesus' resurrection for our life, that his resurrection has brought us new life, that because, Jesus, you have been raised, we can be raised to new life, as it were, in you, and we can experience the abundant life that you have come to give us. And I pray for each person listening and watching this message that you would do a work in their heart over this Easter weekend to open their eyes afresh to the wonder and the reality of who you are, all that you have done for us in the past, and the living reality of your work in our lives and in our world in the present. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name and for your glory. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.